It is a blessing to see so many obedient to the word of God, which we have heard this morning that forsake not the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And that's one reason we're here. It's to uh, encourage each other, study the word, share what God has been doing in our lives, or maybe share what he's not been doing in our lives. If Tristan's message would be a full reality in our lives, I wouldn't have my subject this morning. But it probably isn't, is that right? (laughs) I um, had a while ago had intended to speak on a certain subject, and I think I'd left my notes somewhere down there. And find them in here. Maybe I could, uh, maybe it would come out better if I just speak from heart, right? <laughs> see if I can find them or see if I lost them along the way. There they are. Okay, why don't we just pause for a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you, Lord, for your great love to us. Lord, and the commandment come to us. You have given us the example. And Lord, you have uh, told us how to work it out. Lord, this morning we just ask you to bless us. Bless us with your presence. Bless each one of us with an open heart to your word. And pray, Lord that we, as we come with humility, that your grace be able to work in our hearts and lives. And, um, and that the little, little part of the world that we're in may be brightened because we are there. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, this message would have been a number of months ago I was considering having a Bible study on this topic. And the reason I said a few months ago is because if if it looks like I'm talking to someone directly today because of something that happened the last several weeks, that wasn't it. But it may be relevant to that. It is the sins of gossip and slander. God, when he exposes sins in us, It is not his intention to destroy us. Let's remember that. When God reveals sin that we have in our heart, it is not his intention to destroy us. It is his intention to build us up, to free us, to deliver us. So let's remember that. Now, you children, you go to a doctor sometimes. Did the doctor ever tell you to stick your tongue out and say, Ah, I don't know, did he still do that? (laughs) Why does he do that? There's a Dr. Wiggy. I don't know if that's his real name or not, but he's called Dr. Wiggy. He says this. He said, the truth is you can learn a lot by looking at a tongue. And he said it's one of the most 
useful physical exam focuses. In other words, the focus on the tongue is a very useful focus. He said, the reason why it's so important is because it is a glimpse into the inner workings of our digestive tract. It's the only part of our body that is directly connected to the stomach. Unless you want to go to the other end. But that the tongue is more preferable. Not only is it directly connected to our digestive system, but the tongue is often the canary in the coal mine. That is, he's, this is the doctor still talking about the canary in the coal mine. He said many deficiencies and imbalances will show up in the tongue before those problems manifest in other parts of the body and sometimes even before symptoms are present. He said a healthy tongue should look pink, smooth, similar throughout, without any cracks or fissures and without a coating on it. Canary in a coal mine. You know you know what a canary is in a coal mine. That that's something before they had all the testing equipment. If they uh if they go into some kind of a shaft or some kind of enclosed area that the air might be bad. In fact, they did that when they dug wells, hand-dug wells, they did that. Before they go down in the morning, they would put, oh, they put a candle down. That's right, that's right. But if you're working in some place, you would take a canary with, and the canary is apparently more sensitive than people, and so if the canary dies, you better get out of there. Now, our tongues reveal not only condition of our body, but our tongue can also tell us a lot about condition of our heart. Spiritually speaking, of course, now. And that's what Jesus means when he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, we can't see directly into our hearts. We can't see directly into our hearts. But there are many indicators that we can observe, that we can analyze our heart's condition and sometimes others. And one of the most telling is our speech. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if we would have here this morning an experienced examiner that you could stick your tongue out and he could look at your tongue and tell... Um, whether your speech has been healthy in recent weeks. He could tell if your, if your tongue is nice and pink and healthy, or whether it has been, whether it's healthy because it's been kind and truthful and upbuilding, or whether it's fouled up with gossip, slander, or cracked with lies and part truths or contaminate it with anger and hatred. And I wonder which one of us would want to volunteer for that examination first. Dr. Wiggy says you should look into the mirror and examine your tongue. And this morning we want to look in the mirror of God's word and we want to examine our tongue. We'll look in the mirror. Now Myron has said in a message a few months ago about the charity confession of faith had the statement to speak evil of no man. 
and it says it's not in our confession of faith. Well, it's reworded a little bit like this, and this is what it, it does say. It says uh, we need to focus on the love of Jesus Christ. We've heard that this morning. We need to focus on the love of Jesus Christ that forbids gossip, slander, cursing, and backbiting. And uh, basically, gossip is going to be the main key. Slander is very closely related. And there's other related things. But that's what we're going to look at this morning. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This will be uh, what we'll start on this morning. We'll begin reading at verse 14. And... Uh, Paul is defending himself. He's trying to, he's trying to get the Corinthians to open up their heart. They're having, they're having some major issues here. Let's start reading here. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to, to you, for I seek yours, for I'm sorry, for I seek not yours, which is what you have, but you. For the children ought not to lay up or provide for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. An explanation here, Paul was being accused by some that he tricked them. But how, he asked. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent to you? I desired Titus, or I urged Titus to go, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Again, think we that we excuse ourselves unto you? In other words, do you think we're just defending ourselves? We speak before God in Christ. And we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, yes, Paul had fears, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I should be found unto you such as you would not. It's a little hard to understand. Basically was saying, say, when I come, I, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults, and lest when I come again my God will humble me among you, that I should be well many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Now, the focus that I will have here this morning, lest there be debates, I'm going to, I'm just going to go through that list again and give an alternative reading to each one of those words that gets a little more personal. Lest there be debates or quarrels, just envies or jealousy, wraths, which would be anger, strife, which could be called hostility, a backbiting, which could be called slander, Whisperings is gossip, swellings is arrogance, tumults is disorder. 
the church at Corinth had a lot of problems. It was a very troubled church. Now, if this is what is going on in this church, would you like to attend it and join it? Those things going on. There's disorder. There's haughtiness, hostility. There's gossip, slander. There's quarreling going on. Is this a pristine example to the onlooking world of what what the grace of God can do to a people of God who have his love in their hearts? And of course we know the answer. It's not. And of course, God is not pleased and neither was Paul. And Paul recognized that there must be change. In effect, he said, if you don't change, I will need to bring discipline. Clearly, it was his heart that they break their hearts, humble themselves, and repent. Okay, I think Tristan did an excellent job this morning of giving a good outline. So I'll try to do the same thing this morning. We'll have an outline here. Uh, we're going to have first, number one, a definition of terms. And a definition of basically a gossip and slander. That's number one. Number two is what is not gossip. Number three, what is gossip. Number four, the results of gossip. And number five, the alternative. Definition of gossip and slander. Now that, that could be, but we, you, in your mind you already have an idea of what gossip is. But we'll go, we'll define it a little bit. Gossipers speak of the faults and failings of others or reveal potentially embarrassing or shamefully shameful details regarding the lives of others without their knowledge or approval. This is done without love for the person nor a desire for healing and restoration. Slander would basically be to charge falsely with malicious intent to attack the good name and reputation of someone. It is to intentionally and maliciously degrade, besmirk, or damage the name or character of someone else. Sometimes it happens, that happens in a power struggle. It happens all the time in the political arena where you try to assassinate your opponent. That's slander. That is very brief, what gossip is. Of course, it's talking about other people without loving your heart. Now, what is not gossip and slander? And you might ask, why do we start with this? What is not gossip? Well, to accuse someone of engaging in gossip when it is not gossip is slander. And we don't want to do that. Not everything that is called gossip is gossip. We want to call sin what God calls sin, and we want to give a blessing to what God blesses. So, some people say that if you talk about someone, or when you talk about people, and they're not present, 
that that is gossip. You're talking behind their back, right? They're not there and you're talking about them. Well, it might be gossip, but it might not. Jesus talked about people when they were not present. He gave a long discourse about John the Baptist when John the Baptist was in prison. And he was talking about John the Baptist to the people. Peter, he was in the, when the uh, Holy, when the church began, he was at Cornelius' house. And then he went back to the church, I think at Jerusalem, and he recounted the story. He, he told what happened over there. And there are many, many examples that we could go in the scripture about people talking about other people and they're not there. And we do the same all the, all the time. We share legitimate prayer requests when the people that we are praying for are not there. We share details about a sick person and they're homesick, but we're talking about them. We tell details about someone's life. They got another job. They're planning to move. They're expecting a baby. Or their goldfish died. Or whatever. We talk about that. This is regular life discussions. And it's not gossip to talk in this way. If no secrets are revealed and information is reliable and correct. That's not gossip. Well, other people may say that it's if you say something something bad about a person when they're not there, that's gossip. Again, it might be, but not always necessarily so. You can turn, if you want to, to Matthew 15. I'll just read a few verses here in Matthew 15. It's a Jesus after he had a discourse, discourse with the uh, Pharisees, afterwards, after they left the situation, then came his disciples. I'm sorry, Matthew 15, starting at verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Now Jesus was speaking unfavorably about the Pharisees and they were not there. Was he gossiping? First Corinthians 11, I'm sorry, First Corinthians 1.11 is one verse I'll just read here. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He said, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. There was a bad report came to Paul about someone else. It was a true report. It came to an individual who had the right and a reason to know that report. 
And there are many instances in the Bible where the wrongs and sins of groups and people, people and groups are exposed. The most dramatic of these that I can think of is the time where Paul, as he was writing the book of Galatians, really exposed the sin of Peter and Barnabas and the other Jews that came when the, the Jews came from, from Jerusalem, they came to Antioch, and then uh, Peter and Barnabas separated from their others. Years later, in a letter, as Paul was writing a letter, he picked that incidence up, put it in here. Peter's not present. And it was not, it was not one of the most glamorous times of Peter's life. In fact, it was a sin. Paul used it. Now, was he gossiping? Well, he used it as an illustration to get a point across as to what he meant. He had a real reason. He wasn't just going around and telling people, you know, Peter, yeah, I know, I, Peter's a good guy, but you know what he does sometimes? And, and, and talk to people like that. He's not doing that. He had a legitimate reason. It, he, he picked this out of history, used it as an example, and said, this is wrong. You're doing it. Don't do it. And there was a place, and it's not gossip, in the right context. Was Paul gossiping when he said that Demas left me, went to the world? <clears throat> you know, we do the same thing today. I tell my children stories of what happened. I'll just use one example. I don't think this actually happened. Well, it did happen, but uh, not quite in the same way, but... And I was a child, and my cousins would usually go and fight the bull. You know, that's not a good thing to do. Now, that's not very honorable of my cousin, but I'm not gossiping about my cousin. I'm using that as an example of that's sort of stupid. If you ever get to a farm and there's, there's something like that, let that guy alone. A minister may step down because of serious sin issues in his life. The news goes around. It's bad news, but it's not necessarily gossip. So, talking... Let's wait a minute. So, it's not necessarily gossip to warn against certain public people or certain groups and say why. In doing... Even though you're telling uncomplimentary things about them, or their teaching, or their activities. You're doing it for a purpose. You're warning, and there's a place for that. So it could be gossip, but not automatically so. Now, is discussing this a sermon like this one on a Sunday afternoon, I'm not there, and you're discussing it, is that gossip? What even if some of you disagree with the message and you talk among yourself? Is that gossip? <clears throat> I think I see some head shaking. No. What if the subject shifts from the sermon to the way I nervously blow my nose when I don't know what to say next? Is that gossip?
What if the conversation progresses to the suspicion that I don't wash myself behind my ears? Is that gossip? Probably somewhere it, it went into gossip, I think. <laughs> what is good, wholesome conversation and what is not? <clears throat> it is not necessarily gossip to have open, honest discussions, even about negative subjects. And things that you disagree with someone, even if the person's not present. Not necessarily gossip, I said. Some abusive leaders have labeled people who disagree with them as gossipers and sowing discord among the brethren as a method of controlling dissent or... I'm using the word right? Dissent. In other words, they're, they're trying to control... It's as a method of control. So if we don't understand what gossip, if we don't understand what gossip is and isn't, what Paul and Matthew and Jesus and Luke as a Bible writer, what they did could be labeled as gossip. And this keeps us from learning from anyone else's mistakes or failures and short circuits God's intention for us to live in the light. So telling the truth to protect others is not gossip, if that is really what is going on, and if it is not done with an evil heart motive. So, what is gossip and slander? Gossip is talking behind someone's back with bad news that does not have an upbuilding purpose. It's given with a bad heart a wrong motive, to effect a bad result such as self-promotion or malice or manipulation or revenge. Gossip is spreading harmful information in an ungodly manner without love and thus to no positive end. Its stepchildren are strife, dissension, division, and you could go on. Gossip is when I have some inside information that I share with someone else. If the person about who I'm talking about knew I was telling others, they would be hurt, and the level of trust in me would diminish. But I share it because of what it does for me. It makes me feel important. It boosts my ego or my social status. Because I'm the one who knows so much. And so I gossip. Or I tell because I don't really like the other person that much. And I want to move down, want them to move them down a few notches in their public image and their influence. So I say things that are less than complimentary about them whether they be facts or half-truths. There's a revealing verse in Proverbs 18.8. said, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. There, the focus is on what happens to the one that is gossiped about. This verse states, 
that the hurt and harm that a gossiper or talebearer does. Now, in the other translations that I looked in this verse, it flips it around. And I, I haven't decided which one is best. The King James focuses on the hurt that gossip causes. The other translations flip the focus around on what it does to the gossiper. So I'm going to read it. See, in Proverbs 18.8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. Why do people gossip? Is something in us that likes to do it. If you like, what, what would be a delicious morsel to you? What for food do you like? Chocolate. Chocolate. Donuts. And we put your food in. It's good. You actually, you actually have to uh, probably restrain yourself from doing whatever you want to do. It's delicious. Gossip is that way. Gossip is a delicious morsel to the flesh. And so, that's the words of a whisper are like del- a delicious morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. They really make you feel good initially. So, we must sincerely seek to be sure our comments are true. But even when we have the truth, that does not mean we are all right in spreading out the information. Some people think they can say anything about anyone as long as it's true. As long as they feel sure it's true. But there is also the question of motive. There must be a good reason for telling bad things about other people. Sometimes people spread stories because they want to hurt people's reputation, like I said before. Bertrand Russell said this, that no one gossips about other people's secret virtues. Now, we gossip about other people's secret faults, but we don't gossip about the secret virtues. Guess what I discovered in this person? And say something good about him. Now, I found an interesting story that I would like to use because it's so relevant. And I didn't know John were going to be here, so uh, I mean, their children are going to be here. It's about Pastor John. Well, actually, it was Pastor Bill. I changed it to Pastor John because it makes it more relevant, I think. <clears throat> okay, here's the story. Do you know what I saw? Asked Mary excitedly when she saw Susan. No, what? Replied Susan. Said, I saw Pastor John going to the theater with his son this afternoon. I don't know what was playing, but I don't think it was good. What? Are you serious? Exclaimed Susan. I can't believe that Pastor John would go to the theater and take his son there too. Just wait till I tell mother. When Susan got home, she called mom. Mom, you know what Mary said? She said that Pastor John took his son to see a movie this afternoon. Can you imagine? You're kidding, exclaimed mother in surprise. I never thought Pastor John would do such a thing, especially after what he said last week about how dangerous movies are, said Susan thoughtfully. 
Oh, sorry, I thought Mother still speaking. But Susan said, especially after what he said last week about how dangerous movies are. Then she thought to herself that maybe what he had said about movies wasn't really true after all. That night after supper, the family discussed Pastor John going to the movies when he had talked about how bad most movies were for your mind. The one he went to certainly wasn't a good one, stated Susan. It's so sad, said Mother. I thought he was such a good pastor and very sincere. Doesn't seem like anyone really follows the Lord anymore. True, said Father. I guess he is what you call a hypocrite. Later that evening, Father called another member of the church and discussed the occurrence with him. The member discussed it with another, and by the next Sunday, everybody in church knew that Pastor John regularly attended R-rated movies with his son. The young people really talked about the situation a lot because they had been disturbed by Pastor John's talk about the danger of movies and theater going, but now they thought it couldn't be nearly so bad now as he himself attended them himself. The older persons in the church were wondering what should be done about a pastor who doesn't practice what he preached. This is not the end of the story yet, but what are you thinking by now? What is going wrong here? What is going wrong in this church? Anybody have any suggestions? At the Reeds conference and uh, different different of the uh, there's a lot to talk about relationships and one of the main one of the essential elements of good relationships and good leadership is trust. Was trust increasing or decreasing here? We know the answer, don't we? Trust was decreasing. And it was decreasing because some very wrong steps are being taken here. Okay, here's the rest of the story. The next Sunday, when Pastor John got up to preach the sermon, he began, I've decided to share some educational Christian videos with the young people of this church. I had the videos, but could not get them to play on our equipment here because they were formatted wrong. The best man in town at reformatting videos is the theater owner, so I went to his office in the theater to ask him to do it for me. He agreed to do one of them and showed my son how to do the rest of them. I apologize for taking my son into the theater to see this man, as it really gave the wrong impression to the church. I do not intend movies, attend movies or make a practice of taking my son to them, and I should have asked the man to come to my office rather than going to his. Says in the Bible, we should avoid even the appearance of evil, and I failed to avoid that appearance. So, yes, you got to talk to the person in question, not to other people. And that is so easy said, and it's so hard to do. You agree with me? We at a church were gossiped about in the Lebanon Daily News. Did you know that? Someone wrote in a letter to the editor. Somebody that was at the hall, and they saw the curtains here that are hiding the morals. And they didn't like it, so they wrote a letter to the editor. 
It said there's a group meeting at the fire hall that didn't light the murals so they put curtains up and now nobody can see them because the curtains are up and they're hiding and they thought if if they really be I'm not sure how it's worded but basically I'm paraphrasing it if they really do what they should be doing they would take them down so other people can enjoy them now that person has no idea why we put the curtains up they had no idea what for discussion we've had with the personnel of the fire company they have no idea that there are we put hangers up particularly so you can just lift them up and take them off if you don't like them up we did that on purpose. But from that person's perspective, she thought, she made a judgment that she made perfect sense to her. But she doesn't have nearly all the information. And so she made a judgment and she told the judgment to others. That's a form of gossip. Now, that would be fine if it were just out there, but it isn't. We are just like that. We think we know the situation. We have sort of that prideful thing in us. We, oh, we see it. We make a judgment. We understand it. And we tend to think we know the whole story, and then we talk as if we do, and we don't. You know, when I say a saw God high and lifted up. There in Isaiah chapter 6, you know one of the first things he said? He said, I am a man of unclean lips and I live within a people of unclean lips. That's us today in America. And too much the people of God are that way. Today, pollsters, people who take polls or... uh, they want to see the, where the public sentiment is and they take surveys. They do that in various issues. I couldn't think of any good ones this morning, but I just got one. I know there's one way back that said, how should Iraq run their country? That's sort of a bad question, but let's just use an example. And so they're asking the general public, what do you think should happen over there? And people give their quick um, off-the-top-of-the-head responses. But the problem is, the persons, people responding to the poll, they don't know the language. They don't know the culture. Some of them can't even find a wreck on the map. They don't know the religion. But they're giving their opinion of what they think should be done. And they know hardly anything about it. But they know how to fix it. They think they know exactly what that country needs. They are pretty sure of that. This is what they need to do. You know, I've been there and I've done that. Over and over and over. I knew most how to raise children before I had any. And I've talked to some people who knew how to run a church that can't be a part of one for some reason. And that's how we are. But we can talk about it within our peer group about how it should be done. We think we understand, but we probably don't. 
probably don't. And most of what we talk about in that context is probably gossip. When we think we know the answers, and we probably don't. Okay, what is the effect of gossip? Two verses in Proverbs I like to read here. And you don't have to turn there, but it's, uh, it's Proverbs 16.28 at the first one. He said, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. And Proverbs 26.20 is, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. What I see in these verses is that one of the main causes of gossip is conflict and separation. It's destructive to close, trusting, caring, and enduring relationships. Do you know the issues that we face in our churches are, they're, they're complex. There's no magic bullet. There's no simplistic answers. But I wonder if we would just take one element out of the whole scenario. If we would just take gossip and slander out of the issues we face in our congregation. Just take those two out. All of a sudden there will be none of that in our congregation. I wonder how much more positive the outcome would be in Christian churches. People talk. Of course people talk. We were made to talk. God gave us that to us. But people talk. A gossip, this is one who does gossip, A gossip gives no thought to the reputation of someone else. A slanderer wants to ruin the reputation of someone else. So a slanderer brings accusation and assigns bad motives to people. And a gossip keeps those rumors going. See, a slanderer has a malicious intent. He wants to actually damage people. A gossip isn't necessarily wanting to damage people. He just doesn't care if he damages people. You know, there's a verse. There's a verse, and I didn't look it up, but it's um, about every idle word shall be judged. Now, how did that verse go right now? Um, Help me out, someone. But each idle word shall be judged in judgment or something like that. Yeah, give it, you will give an account for each idle word you speak. Okay. That word idle could be translated careless. Just put the word careless. We will give an account for every careless word we speak. Gossip is careless words, and they will be brought into account. Like all sin, slander and gossip can be enjoyed in a moment. Like chocolate. Gossip is, actually, gossip is moorish. It's like chips. You, you, you want more of it. You, you can't hardly stop. Once you get that taste of salt in your mouth, of those chips, those uh, sour cream and vinegar, you know, 
um, not sour cream, <laughs> uh, huh? salt and vinegar chips in your mouth. That's right. It's it's just hard to close that bag. But that's how gossip is. But like all sin, there is a price to be paid later. With gossip and slander, the price is in defamation of character. It is a ruining of real life people. It is a ruining of relationships and organizations. It results in self-delusion and an inability to discern the truth for those who continue in it. Gossiping, gossiping is foolish, and it turns gossipers into fools. Here I have another story that is about the effects of gossip. It's uh, Jane got on a train and took her seat. The car was crowded with passengers, and every time the train stopped, it seemed like more passengers got on than off. After several stops, a well-dressed woman took the empty seat beside Jane. Jane smiled and they said hello. The woman was a complete stranger, and so the two didn't say very much to each other. Jane was absorbed in watching the scenery go by outside and thinking about the school where she would be teaching in the fall. She had just gotten her teaching certificate and had been offered a job for the coming year. Not everyone who had gotten their certificate was offered a job so soon, and she was excited about it. She hardly noticed when the woman called the porter and asked for a drink. When the porter brought a bottle of beer, the woman took it and turned to Jane and said, Here, please hold this while I get my money out of my purse. Jane took the bottle reluctantly and looked at it with distaste. She didn't know anyone would want to drink that stuff. She was glad when the woman finished paying the porter and took the bottle back. Jane got off the train at the next stop and forgot the incident. But someone who knew her had passed in the aisle while she was holding that bottle, and soon everyone, it seemed, had heard that Jane was seen drinking beer on the train. She was embarrassed and horrified when she heard the story, but was heartbroken when she received a letter from the school where she was going to teach. The letter informed her that they had decided not to hire her because they couldn't have someone with their reputation of drinking alcohol teaching their children. So, gossip and slander can destroy people, and it does. And you know what it's like. You know you heard a bad report about somebody. That when you actually, at some point in the future, you actually are in the presence of that person, you know what comes up behind you. And this happened to me many times. That the person that I talked to and related with was not at all like I expected him to be because of the report I would have had. Okay, what is the alternative to gossip and slander? What do you think? Is it just talk less? Maybe. Is it just talk about more positive things? Oh, that might be okay too. I like to read, and you can turn here, we read some of it this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 32. What is the alternative to gossip and slander? 
Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, which is slander, be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. We cannot avoid what other people say about us. We cannot keep other people from gossiping or slandering us. But we can, by the grace of God, in humility follow Christ's example of sacrifice. He gave himself to God and for us. He did what his Father's will was, regardless of what anyone else did. And we can be followers of Christ as dear children. We can put away all, any and all speech that tears down and destroys or tarnishes someone else. Instead, we can let everything that we say be good and helpful so that your words are an encouragement. They build up. They edify. J.D. Hatfield shares this counsel, and and I'm going to have a portion here at the end that has has, uh, some of the points that he has here. He shares this counsel. He said, sometimes spreading information is just plain old gossip. Gossip is talking about the failings and faults of others to people who cannot do anything about them, people who are neither part of the problem nor a part of the solution. They are neither a victim of the other person nor a potential victim of that person. Sometimes, even though the person in question needs to be prayed for, our prayer requests can also be a sanctified way of spreading gossip. So, when does your sharing descend into gossip? And here's a few points here. How certain am I that the facts are correct? Was Pastor John looking at movies? No, he wasn't. Number two, was the information given in confidence? Do you have information that others should not know? Sharing it would be gossip. Number three, is is this important enough to share? If it's not something necessarily good, you might ask the question, is it necessary? Is it necessary to share? Number four, am I telling this story to help build others up in Christ? Is what I am saying for the benefit and the building of other Christians to help them build them up?
Number five, am I telling this story to help protect others in Christ? So if it's something bad about somebody, do I need to say it because that person needs to hear it because it's for their protection? So ask yourself that question. Am I telling this story to help protect others in Christ? Number six, what is my motive for telling this particular person about it? Always check your motive. And always ask the question whether the person you are saying it to, why am I saying it to this person? Because sometimes... You, it is not gossip to say it to one person. It is gossip to say it to someone else. Check your motive. And lastly, have I prayed about it? As Jesus told us, and this is, you know, you can find it there in the Sermon on the Mount, that the unbelievers are, they are going to defame revile, say things falsely against Christians. The ungodly will do that. God has said it will happen. It is happening. They will do that. They will misalign you. But we as Christians should not be doing that. We should prayerfully be checking our motives. We should be respecting proper boundaries. We should use some discretion with our disclosure of information. And as with all communication, we need to consider consider the truth. We need to consider the timing. We need to consider tact and the tone. All those, any of those, can take the same information from not gossip to gossip. Any of those, um, truth. Timing, tact, and tone. That would make a good message outline, wouldn't it? (laughs) Truth, timing, tact, and tone. Back to the beginning. If there were a canary in my heart, would he still be alive? If we could look in the mirror and stick out our tongue and see how healthy our heart is, Wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, great. But we have a mirror. We have the Word of God. My challenge to you is, will you join me? And I mean join me because I am one of you. Will you join me in humbling our hearts and acknowledge our need? Can we walk with a clear heart, look each person in the eye, and know we have not gossiped about that person? I have not said anything to hurt or defame that person. God has worked in my heart, and with the, with the best understanding I have, and the best interest as I understand it, I have not done that. Now, I can't do that. I have failed. Will you join me in doing that in our congregation?
And when issues arrive, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when issues arrive, I will talk to the person involved and not to other people. Even if that person can talk better than I can, the point is not to win an argument. The point is to understand one another and grow together. So, my challenge to us is, will you join me with that challenge? It's God's will that we lift each other, build each other up. And if we, and I earlier I pointed the, the picture, what if you just take gossip and slander out of our churches? What for difference it will make? Well, let's just see what will happen here. Let's do it by God's grace. So why don't we just... Um, Stand for a word of prayer here at the end. Our Father, we are grateful to you that even though we were, and yes, sometimes, Lord, are, a bunch of gossipers and slanderers, that you have loved us enough to come into the world to die for us. And Lord, as we look at, uh, at your word, as we see what your word is, what your will is, what your heart is, as we recognize that grace comes from you, that strength comes from heaven for us to live in this life, then, Lord, with open and honest and humble hearts, we ask you, Lord, to work in our lives in this area. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put a watch on our mouth and a guard to our lips, but even more beyond that, Put a deep love in our hearts for one another. That that love will not let us talk about other people in that way. That that love, Lord, will actually cause us to lift up, build up, strengthen, and encourage. So, Lord, as you look upon us, you look, you know each heart. We don't even have to stick out our tongue, but you know our heart. We pray, Lord, that you would bring healing that you would bring restoration to um, anyone, maybe, Lord, that has been hurt by gossip and slander, and pray, Lord, that we together would grow together into your image. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated.